Hey everyone, Andres Gamboa here. Welcome to episode 199 of the Ponytails podcast. We are almost to 200. Man, I am so excited. Just so you guys know what we're doing for our 200th episode, we are going to pick all our favorite stories from uh, all the ponytails that we've heard throughout 200 episodes, or I guess 199 episodes. And we're going to do like a discussion or recap on some of them and talk a little bit about some of the circumstances with the rest of the team on here so hopefully you guys enjoy that it's gonna be a lot of fun and just kind of recapping and catching up with all of the different stories that we've heard throughout you know the the run of the show if this is your first time and you don't know what the heck this is about what the heck is ponytails well i'll give you a quick rundown basically we interview people who sold books and I guess now educational systems uh, for a company called Southwestern Advantage. Now the company has been around since 1860 something. So literally over 150 years and it recruits college kids to go do this job where they sell these uh, books to families who might need some help with homework or help the kids get to college or help the kids learn how to read. And they do this for 80 hours a week uh, on straight commission sometimes without even a place to live on a different part of the country. They inter there's international kids that come from you know Europe to come and do this program here. And they can make some pretty good money for the summertime, better than any other you know college summer job that you can do it. So all these kids are college kids that did this. And we picked people who sold it in 1968, as far as like just recently, this last 2022 summer. And we asked them about how life is going, how that program impacted them for the positive or the negative. And what impact it's had on their career professionally going forward. Uh, so my guest today is uh, Travis Thompson, and he is currently in Carmine, Texas, and he went to Tarleton State University, currently is working for Cardinal Senior Benefits and the Cardinal Health Group, as well as he is uh, doing some ranching down there in Texas. Uh, he was part of the Eagle Blitz organization, sold for six summers of this program from 2005 to 2010 his favorite scroll is number six today i will be the master of my emotions which is an increasingly favorite uh for our recent guests and of course we're gonna go into some stories he's got some you know pace setters and some uh good stories to share from some of his folks uh, and some of his experiences back in 2005 when he was selling some books so hopefully you guys enjoy make sure you subscribe like all that stuff go to our website check out some stuff i'm not going to get into all those details but throughout the show i might give you guys some updates here and there so stay tuned for that thank you so much for listening and we'll be on with travis when we come back Welcome, sir. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Man, uh, Pedro, Quentin, Nick have all said, you have to have Travis Thompson on your show, man. <laughs> and I've been saying, yeah, let's do it. So it's arrived. We are here. Welcome. Welcome <laughs> on, man. Good to, good to meet special. you. Just, just uh, <clears throat> a lot of stories, I guess, from all those guys. Good. I'm excited to hear some 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 cool, some funny, some fun dirt. Um, you drinking some beer? I got some whiskey in here. Somebody made me this mug. Check it out. Well, that's pretty that's cool. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. I need one. Well, I got well, not of you, but I need one of myself. That's yeah. Pretty well, if you want one of me, dude, you could totally have one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's dig in uh, of course we love having cardinal people on the show not only because you guys are partners of our show and we appreciate and love that we're able to contribute to you 
uh, growing the alumni network and and being able to connect people to a really cool career opportunity. But I just like hearing the perspective of people who are doing some kick-ass stuff and how they're doing it. Because a lot of the times that we've had people from Cardinal specifically, um, they were, it's really close to how they correlate with, you know, Southwestern principles and all the positives of Southwestern and how they can apply them. So let's dig into that. Um, if people don't know, I kind of, I'll kind of recap a little bit about Cardinal is it, but, uh, it's just it's, it's an insurance company but i would want you to tell me from your perspective and your words what what it means uh to you and what cardinal is to begin with sure <clears throat> well i guess first of all thanks for having me on um i've been listening to this for a little while now and thought about you know it, it would be kind of cool to be on this thing somebody kind of re relive some stories and rehab or uh <clears throat> i don't know maybe spill some some dirt on some of my really good friends that i, that I still work with to this day and <laughs> I will say that that's the coolest part about um, all of this is I still to this day work with um, one of my best friends, Nick Dale. Um, <clears throat> and of course, you know, Quentin, we've been working together for since we first started selling books. And then, you know, Pedro came along in 09, um, which I've got some stories about that too. So it's just, it's really cool that, that all these years later, we do still work together. Um, <clears throat> I, I also, I often like to tease every single person at cardinal that um they should be thankful that they have a job because if it weren't for me they wouldn't and it's a joke of course but the reason i say it is because i recruited nick and he was actually my fraternity brother in college over at tarleton um he was even though he's like a year older than me he was one of my little brothers in the fraternity and i can save the story for how i recruited him a little bit later but um i, I do often like to tease but also you know pat myself on the back and be like none of y'all would have a job if i'd never recruited nick so you're welcome. that's absolutely right hey that's correct man you know <laughs> i had to start somewhere right there's recruited the first you know somebody was selling books door to door in 1868 or whatever and then someone had to go to them and been like hey <laughs> you should do this with me and whoever that was that's you right. know we're all here because of them so it, it makes sense it makes sense right. you're saying that <laughs> yeah and also on that note too i always like to say that you know I don't think Pedro would have been nearly as, um, I guess, ambitious these days if, if I hadn't recruited the rookie that pushed him to do so well, you know, his first summer. So, you know. Jessica? You recruited Jessica? No, 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 no. Um, Micah Degtop, actually, she was the number one rookie in the company that summer, Pedro's first summer. Um, and he was shaking her all summer long. So I also like to tease, not only did I recruit Nick, I also recruited and trained the rookie that beat Pedro that led to ultimately his, I understand. his extremely high level of ambition. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you know what? You change company history right there. That's what that means. That's that's, that's right. all thanks to you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. so, what what but, got you? So, so you recruited Nick Dale into Cardinal. Southwestern. And to, but uh, oh, but but he got you into Cardinal. So he started. Is that is that how it went? It was he paid you the favor back. Is that what what happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I guess I'll start with that because um, since we're going to talk a little bit about Cardinal first, um, when when I left books in 2010, I went and worked for, like a lot of people did. Went and worked with um, Family Heritage selling cancer insurance, mm. you know, door to door. And Nick and I were doing that together. He had already started. He left the summer, and I went ahead and did one more summer. Um, <clears throat> he had, had started with Family Heritage. Things were going pretty well, I guess. And then, of course, Larry Salerno, you know, flies me to Houston, picks me up in his Mercedes, takes me to his home, and 
takes me to this nice steak restaurant and you know how the story goes for the recruiting stuff um and he said all right i'm going to give you this great contract i'm going to give you a 40 or 50 percent i don't even remember what it was back then but i was like this is the greatest thing ever i'm going to go sell in cancer insurance door to door let's go <clears throat> so nick and i went and sold for off and on roughly that year we did nothing but basically train wars and, and push weeks is what we call them now and one time we went over to um liberty dayton anahuac texas area which is not far outside of houston and we got a hotel for i forget how many weeks we we talked them down to this ridiculously low cost you know cockroaches everywhere um i was doing i was a competitive bodybuilder at the time so i was making meals in the hotel and just it was it was a, a nightmare but we were selling we were doing great and then i left for a little bit <clears throat> um there's a, a a little stint that i had in there where i'd sold cars until ultimately i moved to nashville in 2013 um, and worked back with Southwestern for uh, Thinking Ahead and Great American as a, as a recruiter. Um, Great American, they, it was, you know, my activity was extremely high. Um, that's one of the things I was very good at back in the day with Southwestern was, was recruiting. Um, numbers were very high, talking to a lot of people, but the company just, nobody wanted to work for that company. Um, nothing against the company company it's just the way that the pay structure was set up it was just hard to be successful very very quickly and they wanted me to recruit people who are used to making two three hundred thousand dollars a year and all of a sudden say all right your base salary is going to be 20 grand and we're going to lower that every single year so it was just kind of difficult <clears throat> so i ended up coming back to texas um and worked for rockstar energy drink for a, a quick minute just to get me back to texas and then ultimately got back into insurance in 2015 um and started selling mortgage protection with a company called Assura, <clears throat> which uh, the guy that got me into Assura actually was, it, he, he sold with me my first summer. Um, I was pied one time and one time only ever in my entire career. And it was my very first summer. I ended up being the number one with in our entire, in our entire org, but I got pied one time and it was by him. <clears throat> and he's still talking about it to this day. Um, that's just, yeah. we beat him. <laughs> and for people who might not, I love that. For people who might not understand, because we don't have a pie in the eye on the on the little definitions form. This is a competition you'd get with in someone like with another org or in the same org. But basically, you would compete on what sometimes it was units, sometimes it was more sit downs, most demos, more hours worked or whatever. And then whoever won, they would get to like pie the other person in, in the face at the in the, at the Sunday meeting at the end of the week. So pie in the eye. So you don't want to lose. You don't want to get pie in the eye. That's bad. No. Like you wanna, if you were gonna challenge someone, you better back it up and beat them for pie in the eye. But this is the guy that beat you just the one time you ever lost it. Is what just you're the saying. one time. Yeah, his name was. Good. In case you ever listen to this, his name is Keith Simone, and so I, I will give him that. Um, but now <laughs> he, Keith. he, um, he was working with a group selling mortgage protection, and I was up in Dallas. I was doing really, really well. Um, the group that I was working with up there, and I won't go into detail on that. There was just some things going on in the office that I didn't quite feel were the most ethical things or, or even legal, to be honest. So Keith was like, well, why don't you move down here to Houston? And I was like, man, I've never moved to Houston. You couldn't pay me any money to move to Houston. And he said, well, i got an open bedroom. You can come live down here. We need somebody else. we got plenty of territory. We've got plenty of leads. And I was like, all right, fine. Forget it. Let's go. So I moved down there. Um, <clears throat> the first six months of being with the company, I was the number one um, agent in the entire state of Texas. And, and it's a it's a very large company, but they wouldn't give me a commission bump. And I kept 
asking, hey, give me a bump, give me a bump. And they said, all right, well, we need you to hit these metrics. You've got three months to hit these metrics. And we'll give you a commission bump and a manager contract. I'm like, great. I did it in two weeks. And I was like, all right, where's my bump? <clears throat> and they're like, well, hold on now. You did that kind of quick. So let's see if you can do this and this. And I'm like, no. No. So I reached out to Nick, and he he was already with um, a group called FBX and Final Expense. Um, and I started saying, "Man, I'm having a hard time getting people approved. I'm I'm doing this." And he was like, "Why don't you just come work with me over here doing this Final Expense thing?" And so I was like, "All right, let's let's just do that." And this was probably 20. It was either late 16 or early 17, somewhere around there. Um, and things were going great. <clears throat> I had a guy down here in Houston that I knew who he just happened to have some cash and he was like, Hey, look, you're doing really well at this final expense thing. You're making a lot of money. He's like, you need to build this thing. And I was like, well, I, I am. I'm working with my buddy Nick up in North Texas and we're trying to work on an agency, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. And finally he's like, look, I got cash. I can buy a ton of leads right now. Being young and naive. Um, I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. And Nick was like, Travis, what are you doing? I'm like, well, this guy's got money to buy a ton of leads and you know, whatever. And so not long after that's when, when Pedro followed him, um, <clears throat> right around that time was when I started realizing that my business partner was taking all my money that I was bringing in and basically lost everything. <clears throat> I mean, literally everything, um, cashed out any kind of Ross that I had. Like I was at below ground zero in my you know early thirties. So call Nick back up and I'm like, Hey man, let's just do what we should have been doing for the, the, the entire time. And Cardinal had, had started catching traction. And I was like, man, should have started this a long time ago and just stuck with Nick. But you know, <clears throat> we're here. It's worked out um, very, very well for, for all of us. So um, been wow. Cardinal ever since. that's wild, man. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, so okay, I got some questions. A couple of things. And we'll probably got to discuss this more in Southwestern terms, but let me ask you this in just real world terms. Not that mm -hmm. Southwestern isn't the real world, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, is So you had success. You, number one, Ricky in education, which is back when that was still divided, which is really mm -hmm. impressive. Um, but then you have a track record of just showing up and kicking ass right off the gate. Right. Sometimes and sometimes people who are studs, they take a little bit to learn the industry, to learn the kind of the trade, learn the differences um, or they'll switch industries from going door to door to maybe going over the phone or a different kind of cold calling or lead generation sales or maybe, you know, solar or something where it's like or real estate, which maybe it's like a little longer term sale. It's not like a quick getting get out sale like books. And they struggle making that. Change, making that shift. Mm -hmm. How. Like in your mind, because you seem to just get there, get off the hot start, get, you know, get off the gates quick. That's a unique ability for some people. Can you give us some insights, some tips on how maybe maybe someone's starting a sales job right now? How did you what's like your mentality? How do you approach it? What, what's your perspective on how to get off to a hot start when you start something new like that? Absolutely. That, you know, and that that's I remember thinking back because, um, I mean, Essentially, I've been in, in direct sales since 2005 and still to this day since I started selling books. Um, one of the things that, that I learned a long, long, long time ago, because um, I didn't come from much. I mean, I was raised by a single mom. 
Uh, I mean, I'm very close to my dad, but I just was raised by a single mom on my grandparents' farm. <clears> that she moved us to town so I could be closer to school. And, you know, I mean, I work, I grew up working for literally everything that we've ever had. Um, and still to this day, that's, 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 that's all my mind will, will process is you have to work for what you have. Cause I grew up with people that didn't, I mean, they grew up with everything and they don't have a work ethic. It doesn't exist. And then I have people that grew up with stuff that, um, they have a work ethic that's second to none. Um, <clears throat> so I just told myself, like, I, I want I just there's there's more inside. I, I don't know what it is, but if if I've got someone who's going to lead and and do what they can to help me exploit whatever that is inside of me, um, I'm gonna respect them. I'm gonna you know follow them. I'm, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be coachable, and, and that's we'll talk about coachability here in a little bit. But um, once I found that the only thing that that I really had more than anything else was work ethic, and once I figured out, well, they said, all you have to do is just do this. <laughs> and number one was work hard. And I was like, well, I can do that. I mean, that's all I've ever done is work as a farm kid. So <clears throat> I applied that to this, you know, so-called business world of sales and it just started working. Um, and then uh, one of the, the very first things that he told me, he said, do you ever have a job where you felt like you were working next to some, and I use this in recruiting, you're working next to somebody, they're getting paid the same amount that you are, but you're working circles around. So have you ever wanted to have a job where you get paid for how much? Um, I mean, basically, have you, do, do you enjoy have somebody telling you how much your time is worth? Or would you rather have, would you rather get paid for what your, what your own work ethic allows for? And so I took that to heart and I've never let it go. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, since 2003 or four in college, I don't know what a nine to five is um, because I don't want someone to dictate how much they think that my time is worth because I know it's going to be valuable just because I have a work ethic that's going to put, it, it's going to put me on a different level. And, and I say that in a, in a, from a very humble standpoint, because I came from nothing. I mean, you know, we didn't grow up with food off the table, but compared to a lot of people, a single mom, you know, that's all we had. Yeah. Well, so I was just going to work. And if, 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 one of the things that one of my mentors a long time ago, Wade Floyd said, is he said, if you find a, a system that works, um, and we still talk about this to this day, Pedro talks about it all the time. You have to be smart enough to be dumb enough to do exactly what you're told to do. And I've never <laughs> forgot that. <clears throat> so with work ethic and just being smart enough to be dumb enough to do exactly what they're telling me to do, it, it served me pretty well. Damn, that's good. So essentially it goes back to work hard, study hard, be coachable. Yeah. In, in, in a lot of ways the, because in the study hard part sounds like it's it's also key because you you're working hard but there is a way to work hard without working smart which sometimes people burn out that way but yeah. it sounds like you were like you were working hard but at the same time you're going all right what do i need to learn and using your mentors or your coaches to really not waste time right because you can work hard in southwestern and go work the hours and knock on all the doors but if you're not you know studying how to do a better approach at some point, all those hours ain't going to really help if you're not getting good at the actual craft of connecting and talking to a human being. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it sounds like it sounds like you also were able to figure out like the right way to ask questions so you could get better and so that your work could go way longer or way further than just <clears throat> workhorse mentality. Absolutely. But it starts with the ethic, with the work ethic. Well, and <clears throat> one of the things, that, and I still teach or you know, 
coach this, I guess you could say it today, and I'll give a good example here in a second. Um, like one of the things about being coachable, um, for going back to my very first summer, um, Justin Gamble, he's actually, he was in corporate insurance with Federated, I think it was for a little while, but anyways, he's always been very successful. I love that guy to death. My student manager was Garrett Mabry. <clears throat> he hated systems. He hated scripts. He's just a shoot from the hip and one of the just best natural salespeople I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it's hard to be consistent that way, you know, as you know. Um, but one of the things that they used to tease about, because I wanted to know everything, <clears throat> he told me, he said, you have to have your sales talk down before you get to sales school. You have to have everything down or you can't go. And I was like, perfect. And I got it all the way down. Um, we, one of the things when, when we took off into the summer, we never used cell phones because um, they weren't that big of a deal back then. But um, anytime that there was a phone call, like during uh, in the evening or early morning or during the Sunday or whatever it was, it was kind of a joke. They'd be like, hey, guess who's got a question now? And it was always me. <clears throat> I asked a ton of questions. Um, wow. And, you know, one of the things that Wade told me, he said, it doesn't matter. Annoy the heck out of them. He said, I don't care if they get mad at you for calling them all the time. Just ignore, annoy them. Ask a ton of questions. And I did. Um, <clears throat> so fast forward all these years later, I'll just go back to last week, for example. I just started working in, in the Medicare side. Um, and the guy that's um, actually... Basically, he's my up, not upline, but I guess I'm supposed to be calling him every time I get into a house and I have a question. <clears throat> I've called him. I couldn't tell you how many times already just last week. Um, like, I, I know the sales side, but I don't know anything about this side yet. So I'm and he actually I think he made a comment to um, one of the guys that we work with. He said, Travis is doing exactly what you told me to do when you recruited me to sell final expense. He calls me every single house at the end of every single appointment. We go through everything at the ever, at the end of every single appointment that he's in. <clears throat> but that's how I learned. That's smart. Well, and I, let me ask you this, just to dig a little deeper. How do you avoid asking, or how do you ask the right questions? And, and I know like part of it is you just gotta go do the work. So then the objections mm -hmm. and the problems show up so that way you know what to ask. But even at the beginning, how do you know where to start to ask and to learn? Like, can you can you walk me through your mentality on that? Because this is unique. Not many people can do this well. Just, you know, I know it comes easy to you, but like some people are going here, maybe taking out their pen and paper and going, all right, yeah, I'm about to write this down. <laughs> well, I, I just, again, it kind of goes back to be smart enough to be dumb enough to do exactly what you're trying to do. The, the guys that are that are teaching us and leading us, they, they produce at a very, very high level. Um, and I'm trusting in that for them to lead me in the direction that I, that I want to go as well. Um, which is above and beyond where they're at, for sure. Um, I think <clears throat> one of the things about like where where the questions come in, um, uh, one of the biggest things that, that I've always said, and I'll forever say this, and, and people that I work with have heard me say this many times, the number one agent killer, now whether it's agent or just salesperson killer, we'll just, we can even say salesperson killer, the number one killer is overthinking. And that's what I find with so many people is they, they get into a house and they're like, well, what if I can't, what if my password is expired and I can't log into the page? <laughs> okay, well, figure it out. That's, you know, nothing's a big deal unless you make it a big deal. So I've just learned that, like, I get everything that I can prepare before I'm going to wherever I'm going. And the next step after that is just get me to where I'm supposed to be and just let me figure it out. When I get stuck or whatever I'm supposed to call, I'm going to call. Um, because I enjoy being put up against 
like the, the I don't even know what you call it, not a rock and a hard place, but I enjoy being put in the spots where it's like, oh, I'm stuck. It's time to start figuring something out. I enjoy it. Like I feed on that. <clears throat> I know a lot of people, mm. you know, they'll get nervous and, and that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just, I've been in so many scenarios that like, that's what fuels me. I love getting stuck um, and mm. not knowing because that means I've got something I get to learn. Now that's a sweet mentality, my friend. There it is right there. That's, dang, that's a good answer. <laughs> it's just basically embrace, embrace the ignorance, you know? And I don't yeah. mean ignorance in a bad way, but it's like, if you start a new job, like if you're just starting to sell books or you're just starting to sell insurance, or you're starting to sell real estate, you're starting to sell solar, like embrace the fact that you don't know shit, right? So that, yeah. that way, that curiosity that comes out of being grateful for that ignorance Mm-hmm. can really help you drive and learn the questions and the answers to those questions to so that it levels at the playing field because on the other hand if you knew everything there was to know about the industry and you still had the work ethic you're gonna you're gonna kick some ass man right like that's yeah. that's 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 the math <clears throat> wow. and i think pedro says it well often he always says you gotta learn how to embrace the suck and yeah. i mean that's i, <clears throat> I embrace it it's I don't know. Again, it's it's not. It, I think it's something that maybe just kind of acquired over time. Um, but that's that is my comfort zone. It's it's my comfort zone is being uncomfortable. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I know I am. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the people that make this show possible. The people that bring this show to you. Uh, these are people who all sold books, and we're here to give a quick shout out to them in a spotlight. Uh, about their company and what they're up to. So if you're interested or if after listening to this, you're kind of wanting to know a little bit more, feel free to click on the links below to connect with these people. Uh, these are from an expert excerpt I have with them from a podcast that I do on the side. It's called Executive Exercises, where we take all our sponsors and they come into a think tank and share some awesome ideas about how to grow their business specifically on different topics. Go check that out. But I pulled some of the comments that they had explaining what they do and who they're looking for on their companies and so if that sounds like you like i said click below hope you enjoy so that's yeah and so so money wise and it just seemed like it was going to be the leads which i wanted to go back to that because you mentioned this and that's another thing that maybe southwestern people don't understand is leads that's kind of like you're saying basically imagine you show up to a town to sell books you send a postcard out to every single family that has kids in school or young children asking them if they struggle with any of the following subjects yes or no (laughs) would you be interested would you be interested in hearing about a product product that might help you with all those subjects, yes or no, name and address. And then you just waited at your HQ for like a couple of weeks. And then you got in the mail, like 700 people returning that postcard saying, come to my house. Here's where I live. Hi, are you the mom of the house? Yes. And we've heard of you. Great. Yeah. Is this let's, your handwriting, Miss Betty? Yeah, that's my yeah. handwriting. Yeah. You got a few minutes. It's again, you're not selling every single lead that you sit down with, but the leads is kind of what interested me because that that kind of anxiety feeling that I talked about at Southwestern yeah. and the anxiety I had with Family Heritage, I honestly didn't think that was going to go away, but it it has. It's it's gone away when I sold. Now, I still had a little bit of anxiety, but after that first knock, it goes away. But much less anxiety every week because I knew I have fresh leads coming in, and so even if this day doesn't work out, I know I got 
typically our agents will get anywhere from 25 to 50 leads a week of people that they can go and, and call on. I want people to understand what it is that you do, how you do it, why you do it, all of the good stuff. You hear a lot about coaching, you hear a lot about life coach, sales coach, business coach, yada, yada, coach, 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 coach. Man, I think just to start off like what it isn't, it's not training. It's not showing up and yeah. having somebody talk at you for 45 minutes to an hour. And like the way that I look at it is we're all human beings. We're all broken in some capacity. And we all know a lot of the people that I work with, they know what they're supposed to be doing. They're just not executing on it or they're not doing it as intentionally as they should be. Um, or they're, they're just not focused. They have like 15 different goals or 15 different things that they're trying to balance or do. And because of that, like they're not as intentional as they should be at home or they're not as intentional as they should be at work. And they're not picking up the phone and calling people. And it's like, it's like having a personal trainer for your, your business. It's having intention on why we do what we do every day and creating clarity and helping to build our lives and our calendars around what our future goals and intentions are. That'll do for now. Like I said, make sure you click below to get some more information. And now back to the show. So let me ask you this. So what happens when you, on the other end, like, right. So maybe it's summer number six for you, or in this case, you've been in this industry for six years. I, I know you went into health group, so we can go, kind of go to that a little bit too, but, um, but like, let's just take on the, on the, on the insurance life insurance side. Um, what have, how do you keep from being complacent or how do you keep getting curious or how do you keep studying or learning if you've pretty much mastered something, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. after, after your fourth or fifth summer of selling books, there's very few mm. things that can happen to you that you're like, I haven't seen this before. You know what, you know what I mean? Maybe like the yeah. pandemic in recent memory has been something where it's like, this is new. Right. Right. But, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is after a while you kind of figure out. And so the basic questions and even the advanced questions you already know well. So how do you maintain that level of, of growth and learning? Like what, what, what do you look to? What do you, what do you, how do you, how do you try to maintain sharpness there? That's a really good question. Um <clears throat> And actually, that that kind of goes. There's I've had a lot of people call me, um, and I'm very humbled by this. A lot of people over the past couple of years in Cardinal have called me. They're like, "What do you <clears throat> like if you're in a funk or if you're doing really really well and you're almost kind of like, well, I'm here now. What? Um, I, I think that's where a lot of excitement can come from, and just having longevity in your career. Um, <clears throat> One of the, the the parts that I had at one of our last meetings, I titled it Longevity and the Inconvenience of Success. Um, what I found is just the harder you work and, and not without not again, there is a there is a fine line. You can burn yourself out because I've done it. Um, when, when you find that sweet spot that is just got a ton of momentum going and you, you can ride the momentum. But when you start to really figure things out and things start to start to click. That's when you, you have to, to be smart enough to know yourself, to know that there's something coming up ahead, which means it, am I going to be stagnant? Um, am I going to burn myself out? Like, but I just, I can feel, you know, things are going really, really good. Something's coming because it can't, it just can't last that way, for, that, that way forever. That's just reality. So <clears throat> I like to prepare for that and just think, okay, so if something's going to change. What can I do? And a lot of times with what I, what, what, what we do with Cardinal is I just find a way to get in front of more people because it's going to be different. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be the same, but there's so much stuff you can learn from people. Um, 
just by doing the job. And I never will forget this. A guy told me several years ago, <clears throat> this old man over in Houston, because I purposely picked some of the roughest areas of Houston to work, Sunnyside and Fifth Ward, like those are my bread and butters. They're like the most dangerous zip codes in the entire country or something crazy. <clears throat> but he told me, <laughs> never will forget it. He said, once you, once you stop learning, you start dying. And he said, and buddy, he said, I don't want to die. And I was like, All right, I love that. Like, that sounds like something that, you know, Spencer Mort, Mort would say or something like that. But he said, once yeah. you stop learning, you start dying. And I don't want to die anytime soon. So <clears throat> I held on to that as well. And what I find is anytime that I feel like I know a lot, <clears throat> I try to find another avenue where I don't know as much about. And I start, I start my rabbit trail. And I find a way to confuse myself. I find a way to challenge myself because I want to learn. Um, and I think, um, I think it was Nick told us this years ago, as we get older, a lot of people start talking about, well, man, the time flies. Like what, where does the time go? Time just keeps seeming to, to go on somewhere. But he said he read somewhere that people say that the reason it seems like that is because you're not, you're not learning very, very new things. Because when you're young, you're, you're learning how to tie your shoes. You're learning how to walk. You're learning how to, you know fix your hair. I mean, whatever it is, you're learning all these things. And so time just seems to crawl because you've got so much that you're just inputting. Now, once we get older, we're not learning anything new. And it just seems to everything, everything just seems to fly by. But <clears throat> like last week was my first week in the field with Medicare. I had a blast. I mean, I wrote several apps, learned everything new that I possibly could. And it was, it was fulfilling, very fulfilling. Wow. That bro, your stubs just McNuggets of wisdom right here. It's so good. I got here just to recap. If you're not learning, you're dying, which means you just gotta keep learning. And while you keep learning, it allows you to just be more present, which makes it that makes it seem that time is going slower. So you don't mm -hmm. feel like you just look up and it's been seven years and you haven't grown. Um yes. it reminds me a little bit of uh Will Metcher was on the show. I don't know if you know Will, he kind of sold another name, yeah. Yeah, the, the, towards the beginning of his summers was the end of yours, but um, he's another one of our partners, and we were doing a, we we're just chatting, and I think this is where it came from. But he goes, and I've mentioned this on the show before, but he goes, you when I hate it when people say that, or I'm always curious when people say they have you know 20 years of experience in whatever trade, because mm -hmm. sometimes people have 20 years of experience, but sometimes people have like one or two years of like one year of experience. 20 times over which means they never grew they never did yeah. anything like right everything they learned the first year it's kind of it's 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 kind of like that sick summer person who never got past 2000 units or whatever like who never grew and that's because they just kept doing their first summer over and over or first or second summer over and over and they never like learned or trained or put themselves in an uncomfortable position to learn how to like close better or their second approach or do their intro better or that's right so what you're speaking to is you for example you've been doing cardinal for six years so like right seven 20, late seven or early 17 or late 16 so about six or seven years and it sounds to me like you have actually seven years of experience you don't have one year of experience seven times over right and that's such a key thing to keep in mind right we're doing this podcasting thing am i do i have three years of experience of podcasting or do i have one year of podcasting three times over and just asking yourself that about your craft yeah. is i feel like a, yeah. kind of what you're saying it's like you're you'll learn really quick 
because because it's kind of like that adage right you embrace the suck because before you can be good you got to be bad and before you get bad you got to suck <laughs> so yeah. once you get past the suck and you're you're maybe somewhere between bad and okay at the job you start really realizing oh there's a ton about this i don't know and when you get to that point you start realizing oh i need to like get better at all this other shit because now i know what i don't know like when you first start you don't know anything and then yeah. you learn what you don't know you know what i mean and it's like if you keep pushing past that and embracing the things that scare you right so that's really cool well and that's it's i mean again some of us are just wired differently and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that because i've known plenty of people who are <clears throat> i mean completely introverted or, or, or i don't know maybe just not even people are their thing but just whatever they're doing, the field that they're in, they they perform or operate at a, on a different level because there's I don't know they just they want more for themselves, their family, and or, or even their customers. Because see, that's another thing too I, that I love about what we do is because <clears throat> if we're not operating at our best with with what we do, we're being very selfish because we we are in a service industry whenever i'm recruiting people or talking to people about what we do now i don't we, i'm not i'm not in a sales job <laughs> i don't do sales anymore i'm in a service industry and if i'm not operating at <clears throat> my prime peak level at every single appointment that i'm with you know we always talk about love the one you're with nothing else matters if i'm not operating at my best i'm not giving them their i'm not giving them my best and there's been so many scenarios where um, I've cheated them. And what I mean by that is there's been scenarios where it could have been a replacement situation that I could have put them in such a better position than they already were with their insurance. And while a lot of people think that that's not a big deal, when it's a matter of, you know, someone passes away with $0 and then someone can pass away with $20,000 yeah. and just all these other little variables. But <clears throat> I've had deal. times where, I wasn't giving it my dead level best and I cheated them because I didn't perform it, it well enough for them to understand that like what they're doing makes a lot more sense to, to, to let me help them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh. Again, I, I don't, yes, I don't operate on a sales job anymore. Um, it's, it's all a service job just because once you can figure out a way that just, you know, you serve others, um, and I think this goes for many, many industries too, but a lot of people that I've talked to in other sales jobs, um, and I can go back to that <clears throat> when I was selling cars for a minute, um, I was one of our top producers there, but my deals made no money. <laughs> I was too big of a consumer advocate. Um, but that's just, that's how I operate because I just, without being cliche, if we go back to the old Zig Ziglar, you can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want first. I've lived by that for a long time. In fact, that was my very first Facebook headline back when Facebook first started years ago. Um, <clears throat> that was the very first thing that I ever wrote on Facebook. But I live by it. And I just know that, and again, this sounds super cliche, super cheesy, but it's just the honest to goodness truth how I operate. If you just focus on putting other people's needs first before yours, it'll be fine. It's going to work out in your favor. Uh. <clears throat> Damn it, dude. That was so good. <laughs> well, guys, this has been episode 199. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, man. So good, bro. So good. Um, let's uh, let's uh, change gears really quick. Let's take a quick pause. I'll do some announcements if you need to go uh, run and do, uh, if you know, tense stuff. And then um, we'll be back in about a minute. 
if that's cool or something like that yeah. i gotta give a quick announcement um cool, cool cool so uh see you in a second um man we're having a blast thank you guys for listening in i hope you guys are enjoying the conversation with travis so good so good um wanted to give you guys a quick shout out and a quick recap on some stuff that's happening here on the show if you haven't yet signed up or looked into this go to bizzler come to bizzler everybody we're doing a big trip over to uh, Jamaica, Montego Bay, Montego Bay, uh, the Hilton recently renovated high end resort. So we're talking about like GRG levels of stuff. Pretty nice uh, hotel to be staying in. We're doing an alumni reunion out there. Um, I will be releasing a list of people who have already signed up here uh, coming up. I can't confirm though that uh, we have a couple people that are coming. Kayla Curtis. Uh, Naomi Kaufman, Avery Housley, so of course the people from our team, Alex Har, and then uh, Lee McCroskey is the most recent person to have signed up to come out to Bizzler. We're going to be having people from all of the different uh, companies that also partner with us um, there to go and represent, as well as just alumni that you've heard on the show. So if you want to come and mingle, hang out, have a great time uh, at a really nice beachy front resort in the Hilton on October 15th through the 19th, be feel free to come. Um, I'm not going to commit you to signing up, Travis, but uh, how good does that sound, man? October 15th through the 19th, Jamaica, Alumni Reunion, Bizzler. I mean, come on now. That's it's like, amazing. <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it's that like start, it's starting to get cold enough that you start missing summer at that point of the mm-hmm. year. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, uh, and then, oh, wait, Jamaica. <laughs> so come check it out, everybody. Yeah. There's a link below if you want to sign up. Um, and hopefully we will see you there. Um, my gosh, man. So this has been a blast so far. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and I am learning a ton here. Um, let me, let me switch gears into, and cause we've been kind of happy back, back and forth between Southwestern and Cardinal anyway. So let's just keep going that way, but let's okay. focus a little bit, uh, cause I know you had some stories for South, Southwestern. So, um, what I'll probably do is just have you share some of your Southwestern experience uh, and, and then I'll probably interject there and ask about how you're using that today. Is that cool? So we'll, we'll kind of mix it up if that's all. Sure. Absolutely. So let's roll the clocks back. I love hearing origin stories, you know, first summer, first door, first house, first day of school, first time (laughs) you heard about Southwestern and all that Jess. We don't have to get into all of those, but that's kind of the mentality I want to get into. Um, How did you first hear about Southwest? You mean you're sitting there in Tarleton university minding your own damn business, right? Trying to study for whatever class or something. How did you first hear about this? What was it like for you to get into this whole program in the first place? Man, I, um, one of my fraternity brothers, um, because I originally went to college, I wanted to be a vet. And, you know, growing up on a farm, we were ostrich farmers. And we, my very first job was at a... (laughs) Wait, You're I'm right, so sorry to just derail this right away. Ostrich yeah. farmers? I've never heard yeah. of that before. <laughs> yeah, we raised ostriches. It was, <laughs> Can it was you pretty give me, awesome. Like, the top three fun facts about ostriches that people don't know. I need to... <laughs> oh, man. So sorry to just derail The eggs are delicious. I can tell you that. We grew up <laughs> on them. I mean, they would feed a whole family. Just one of them would. We had uh, the, the primary breeders we had, we named them Bonnie and Clyde. And, man, you, they're mean. They're just... There, there's nothing cool about them. They're mean, and they make really good-looking boots and belts, and that's about it. No way. So hang on. So, so you got you had Bonnie and Clyde. They'd make eggs. You'd raise those ostriches and then <laughs> sell them to go make boots. What they did after the fact, I, I really don't ever know. We just 
told that there was a, we were told that there was a little demand so we had incubators in our barn and we would have just tons of little chicks in there um and then they would go from the incubator room into this other little room that my granddaddy had built and they'd have a little doggy door looking thing that they could go outside and then eventually they were outside and they could be sold but like we they were, we used to have uh <clears throat> we took like two 12 foot pvc pipes and had to then like glue them together you know this water pipe and then took a gallon milk jug cut it in half and duct tape it to the end of it so whenever they would lay an egg We'd stick that through the fence to, to grab it and scoop it and bring it back because you could not go out and get it. They would attack you. And mean, right? I, was, I watched parody. Jumanji 2. I watched Jumanji 2. <laughs> and I found out from the little nugget of wisdom. They're not, they travel in packs and they're not nice. Yeah, they're very mean. They will tear you apart. <clears throat> so we had, to, we had to get the eggs out. So we would scoop it with a PVC pipe and a, and a milk jug. Okay, so I want to keep talking about ostriches. I'm so sorry. We're about to talk about Southwestern. Nobody's in 199 episodes. Nobody's been like, I used to raise ostriches. Like that's, that's funny. <laughs> okay. So, so I was just in Colombia over the winter, or you know, January. And uh, have you heard of Pablo Escobar? Do you know who Pablo Escobar oh, yeah. is? Okay, yeah. Oh, so yeah. everybody, everybody's watched Narcos at this point, but um. He had a farm, right? And he was so rich that he got bored and he didn't know what the fuck to do with his money. So he basically got animals that weren't native to Colombia and had them come and shipped over, right? So rhinos, zebras, they don't live. And then he brought them over. But some of them were ostriches. Where I'm going with the story is that Pablo died, you know, or was murdered or whatever. And his farm was still like out there. And so all these animals like reproduced. Because that's what animals wow. do. They eat shit and you know reproduce. And <laughs> there's zebras and rhinos. It's actually a problem in Colombia. But <laughs> my wife and I just went there, and uh, they have they turned his what used to be his estate where he had his hacienda. It's called mm-hmm. Hacienda Napoles, and you can go there. It's like a touristy area now. And you can go there, and like we stayed at the hotel. You just drive up by the pass, and it's like a water park slash drive through. It's kind of like a Jurassic Park drive through adventure. So you take your car, you drive right through, and you can stop at the water parks and all this stuff. But we saw ostriches, <laughs> and so and and so there was people like taking pictures with ostriches. And in my head, I'm like, that's sketchy because that like they were taking selfies like the like where my mic is right here they were like take like next i don't know why these ostriches weren't being mean but in my head i was so confused because i'm like these things could like kill you or like they could just get pissed at you and just like start chopping at you it's like a big mean bird it's not it's a it's not a nice thing and you okay so just wanted to fill in with that story but now the eggs how big are these eggs i mean like my head size of my head to feed a whole family no not quite that big i mean they're um Nothing's bigger quite that big. I get it. <laughs> no, they're. I mean, they're bigger than a grapefruit. But like, what we used to do, because <clears throat> I mean, I was raised by an older generation. My grandparents were really old when I was growing up. Um, so Granddaddy, he would drill a hole in the side of them, and you know, we'd get the egg out, and he would dry it out, clean it out, dry it out, and then build these little easel things that you could set it on. <clears throat> and they were. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Shriners. No. Where they, they're, they're Shriners all over the country. They wear these as hats but anyways part of like uh the um the masons you know like the grand masons and all them um so what they would do is grandma me she would paint little farm scenes on the side of the eggs and she would sell them or give them away or or whatever so 
it'd be a multi-purpose deal. So we'd, we'd be able to eat and she would turn them into little somethings that, that she could paint on itself. It was pretty cool. <clears throat> I mean, I was pretty young <laughs> during a, a lot of that, but, um, man, it was, it was an experience. Like it was, I, I can remember many, many times we'd get, we'd have to, in the middle of the night, have the vet come out because an egg would get stuck or something like that. In fact, that the same vet that we had from when I was a baby um, was my very first job. That's who I actually went to work for. Mm. So it was pretty cool. Okay. So, sorry, back to the story. So you're sitting in Tarleton, you're starting to be a vet, you're looking up uh, vet stuff and yeah. sit down with someone and, and, and no, how I, did you get approached by it? Well, the, the reason I couldn't be a vet is because, and this is, I'm just giving the story too, is I actually decided that before I got to Tarleton. That was my intentional, my intentional plan was to be a vet. And I was working as a vet and then a friend of mine brought in their, her mom, a friend of mine's mom brought in their dogs. Um, one time she brought in one of the dogs that I grew up with and she said, Travis, you know, we got to put this dog to sleep. I can't, I just can't go in there. Can, do you mind being in there since, you know, the dog knows you? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I never will forget it. <clears throat> I was holding on the dog. Dog was looking at me. He does this thing and all of a sudden the eyes close and he falls over the side of my, my arm holding it. And I, from that point forward, I was like, I can't be a vet. Can't do it. It's hard, man. I can't do it. Call me a sissy, come whatever you want. So then it was like, well, I'll just go be a game warden. And then I got to looking into the amount of money that they can make. And it wasn't very much. I mean, and the, the waiting list for Texas was so long. And so finally, I was like, well, let me just go to business college and see what happens. Because <laughs> Granddaddy always said, he's like, oh, don't do any of this ranch and farm stuff. He said, like, you got to go get a business degree. And so I was like, all right, well, let me just do that then. And um, in 2005, so Garrett Mabry, actually it was Jack Clark. I don't know if you've heard his name a time or two. Yeah, we've, we've had Jack on here. Okay, third, I figured Jack the third? Yeah. Yep, Jack the third. Uh, we used the buggy huggy just the other day, the thing that he invented. Um, uh, he's a stud. Jack's, Jack's Jack. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. <clears throat> actually, his, his uh, stepdad was one of my first recruits ever a couple years ago in Cardinal. Nice. Yeah. The network at work. Oh, man, it was amazing. (laughs) Um, But no, Jack's first summer, um, when he was number one in the company, number two was Garrett Mabry, which was my fraternity brother and really good friend, but he also recruited me to sell books. He came back and he told me about this book thing, and he was like, man, I made, you know, this much money. Um, He he, he made a lot of what we used to call errors in judgment, which is, that was a thing we learned from Brian Ross. he made an error in judgment, went and bought a Mercedes and we went to the book field. I was like, man, he bought a Benz after the summer. I was like, my first pickup was like, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks probably. So let me, let me do this. And I went and sold, had a really, really good first summer. But the very next summer was obviously when I came back and, and recruited Nick after that, which I'll tell that story. But um, yeah, just a fraternity brother. And then um, Justin Gamble, he was in a different fraternity. <clears throat> he was the one that recruited Garrett. So a lot of fraternity stuff that went there, Got went it. on there at Tarleton. And and so you're sitting there during your first interview, and they're like, "Tell me about a time you've done something hard." And you're like, "Dude, have you tried to get an ostrich to lay an egg?" And you're like, no. <laughs> "All right, you're in." <laughs> so Man. you go, go ahead, go ahead. No, my my first kind of interview, there was two parts to it. Um, or two, two reasons that kind of told me I need to do this other than Garrett making or buying the Mercedes. 
Um, love him to death still to this day, and I owe a lot of where I am today to him. But Wade Floyd, um, he was, you know, the DSM at that time. And I just remember thinking, this guy's successful. Like, he's such a nerd. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this guy can do this and be successful. I know that I've got no problem. <clears throat> so this that was never first. worked with ostriches. And he did never. Yeah, he didn't do any of that crap. Um, and the other thing was, and she, I don't even know if she knows this, but there's a girl, we actually have the same birthday. Her name is Caitlin Warren. Um, she's a stud athlete at Tarleton. <clears throat> she sold one summer. She was in one of the first interview meetings and she was just smoking hot, smoking hot, tall yeah, blonde. Yeah. And I was like, she's going to do this too. I mean, let's go I'm in. Yeah, dude, yeah. it'll get you. It sounds, listen, and for people listening who might be like, oh my gosh, what a, like, you're an 18 year old child like yes. you know what i'm saying you're an 18 you know year old nothing. hormonal kid you know nothing about life and some pretty girl comes in and tells you you can become uh, you know you can go make all this money and i did this and i can teach you yeah you're gonna pay attention i'm sorry that's it sounds might sound weird to some people in 2023 you got to be careful when you say this kind of stuff but oh, yeah. honestly no, no judgment <laughs> like it's it's i get it you're sitting there in 2005 you're 18 you come from a farm you're used to seeing ostriches laying eggs and this cute girl comes and says hey i'm gonna do this you want to come she yeah she's gonna convince you to go yeah that's got, this yeah. Is how it works i'm sorry and and honestly it probably works the same way for any other person who finds if, if there's someone at the info session who's sharp and attractive for some reason and not even maybe physically Sometimes you could be for me, I was sitting at my info session and it wasn't just that the people who were presenting all seemed to be pretty. They all like carried themselves in a way that I'm like, what the yeah, they have something that I don't have. Yes. That I want. And it's sharp and it's attractive. And that's okay. It's totally okay to want to be part of something because of that. And so yeah, I get what you're saying, man. Like one, if this guy could do it, I could do it. And two, pretty people. Or attractive people for whatever physical or mental attractiveness people do this. I want to be like that. I'm in. Let's go. I get it. I get you. Hey, guys. Hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I know I am. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the people that make this show possible. The people that bring this show to you. Uh, These are people who all sold books. And we're here to give a quick shout out to them in the spotlight. Uh, about their company and what they're up to. So if you're interested or if after listening to this, you're kind of wanting to know a little bit more, feel free to click on the links below to connect with these people. Uh, these are from an expert, excerpt I have with them from a podcast that I do on the side. It's called Executive Exercises, where we take all our sponsors and they come into a think tank and share some awesome ideas about how to grow their business specifically on different topics. Go check that out. But I pulled some of the comments that they had explaining what they do and who they're looking for on their companies and so if that sounds like you like i said click below hope you enjoy that's okay and actually and this is good to uh i had nick kind of explain this a little bit too but it's because i've been in the insurance industry before for people who are listening like how do you make 115 percent commission the way i explain it to people is the insurance companies we represent so we're a broker all these companies we work with they know they're not really going to be making any money off the sales that i make for the first several years but they don't care right. about that. They, they know these clients are going to be on the books for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. So no, they know they're going to make money over the long haul. And so part of the reason agents are able to make so much is there's all these companies out here and they're all competing for, for my, the broker's business, because these companies don't actually have their own in-house sales force. They have independent contractors. And so if, they're, if their compensation or their commission levels that they offer aren't competitive, I'm not going to place any business with them. Hero, hero, 
off schedule moment, wanted to tell you about Southwestern Real Estate. They're 99% drama free, only 99, not 99.9. So it's a bit spicy. Kind of like this episode. Anyway, they will learn you to kick ass at real estate. So make sure you guys click a link below, get in touch with them. Okay, back to work. Bye. That'll do for now. Like I said, make sure you click below to get some more information. And now back to the show. Did you did you find out later on? I always ask this. Sometimes it's a no, or this isn't. A, you know, some people can't relate to this. Which is, if this is you, that's cool. But did you ever find a different, like a bigger, more reason? Like some people go, I went for the money to start, but then afterwards, I found out that I really needed to grow as a person, or I needed to challenge myself. Or did you ever have any of that kind of realization as you were prepping to go for that first time? You know, it's funny. In the very, very beginning, not really. It was more. Um, because, heck, when I went to my first interview, I had a ponytail, um, like long hair. I mean, it was, yeah, I had my hair up in a ponytail. I was hungover. Um, <clears throat> I was barely getting around. They were just saying, you can make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money. I'm like, that sounds great. And <clears throat> initially, that's what it was because I, I never really knew that I had a level of ambition because all I knew was work. Just go to work and you'll be fine. That's all I ever knew. Um, it's only money. You can always make more. That was just kind of the, 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 the ranch hand farm hand way of life. Like it's to run out, you got to go to work and make more. Um, <clears throat> Quentin Roberts would probably completely disagree with something like that because he's, you know, he still probably has the first dollar that he's ever made. Um, Quentin's a special, special character. Yes. He's good. Special, yeah, I get you. I get special you. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, it, you know, a lot of it just, it was like, I need to start proving more to my mom, more to my dad. My grandparents were still alive at the time. And I was like, I want to prove something to them, um, <clears throat> you know, to my, my granddaddy. And, you know, I just, <clears throat> I want to dedicate this summer to him. And just a lot of these little things that I didn't even realize just slowly started to compound. And, and all of a sudden, just, you know, before the summer got there, it started kind of tell, I started kind of realizing maybe I'm actually meant to live more to this life than what I initially thought, which again, that's part of growing up. Um, yeah. and I felt like it started happening a lot sooner around that time frame than it, than maybe it did for some of my friends. Um, and, and I'm not saying I ever actually grew up quicker than them, but <laughs> I started finally finding a purpose. Yeah. And <clears throat> I just always said, you know, I, I want to be able to provide for my own family, like my mom, provide for her the best I can someday. And just, you know, be provide for my family better than possibly that I grew up, which that's what every parent wants anyways. Um, but those 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 whys when I first started, I really didn't have one. <laughs> it was just a little bit of money, pretty girl. This guy was kind of a nerd, and I can do it. My fraternity brother, he's cool, so he got a Mercedes. I'm gonna go do it too. It was all just about being a part of something, <clears throat> and then really quickly it turned into a lot more than that. And that's brilliant to realize early on. And a lot of people do end up finding that. But really curious about what you said there. It's it's about it's about wanting to prove something to other people. And, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's so interesting to me for the people that go out and sell books and then they find out that it's hard once they're out in the field. It's like, where have you been? They've told you the whole time. <laughs> this is going to be the hardest thing you've done in a long time, maybe ever. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and the, which is why you want to go do it. Right. The people like, if, if you realize that right quick, you know, that this is going to be tough and you're going to have to prove yourself to you and to your fam or whoever you want to, you know, whoever, whoever needs to know this about you or wants to know this about you um, besides yourself too, 
you know, it's going to be challenging. And it was, mm-hmm. and it is, you know, it's a tough thing, man. Selling books door to door was, it's hard. It's hard. So oh, yeah. I get that. You get out to sales school. Where'd you go that first summer? Pennsylvania. Oh, shit. I, that, you we, know, uh, I love you PA. talk about a culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What part? Wait, hold on. What part of PA? Because West, East, and Middle are different within Correct. themselves. Yeah. We were on the southern part, like the southwestern side. Um, <clears throat> it was called Dunbar, southwestern. Oh, yeah. Dunbar. Um, very, very backwoods, very poor. Dude, a lot Amish. of old steel workers. There was a lot of Amish out there too. Oh yeah. Um, we didn't have a place to live the first three weeks of the summer. And I, nice. I think, you know, I owe a lot I owe a lot of my mindset to my student manager because he like he just the 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 whole you know persona about nothing's a big deal unless you make it a big deal or don't think just work you know all these little things that we say all the time like this is what he just instilled into me from the very beginning and <clears throat> we didn't have a place to live we, we still knocked on doors but he was like okay this is part of the deal now it's time to go to work and we'll find a place to live while we're working i'm like all right that's how it's supposed to be and he's like oh but by the way don't tell your mom tell her we got a place to stay and i'm like okay cool fair enough so we we, we stayed at this place that um, a group called Teens for Christ had put us up at. It was an abandoned YMCA. It had been abandoned since the 80s. Um, there, was, there was a little bit of boiling water down in the boiler, I mean, boiling, running water down in the boiler room, like down these long, old stairs. And then <clears throat> take every horror movie that has to do with like a swimming pool, a locker room, showers, a big ballroom looking thing. Take every horror movie you've ever seen, and this was this place. And that's where we lived. And the, the, to take a shower, we bought a 10-foot water hose and a bar of soap and a spray nozzle. <clears throat> we went down in the boiler room. One person held the water hose. One person held the flashlight. And then the other person, would you would wash. And it was freezing cold water. There, we didn't have hot water. Um, we didn't have a heater. The only thing that worked was this little light that would work from time to time. So we had to buy this little plug-in heater that we could run from across the street from the fire station. We took a shower at the fire station. <clears throat> we'd go in there, we'd lock ourselves in at night, and we'd lock ourselves in another room, and we would sleep side by side. It was me, Sean Jackson, which, which he lives in Houston now, and then Garrett Mabier, my, <clears throat> my, my student manager. Um, but we slept next to each other right there for the first three weeks of the summer because we didn't have a place to live. Then I was selling and I came across this one lady that I, that I sold books to and she and I asked her, hey, you know, we're here for the summer, any place we can stay. She's actually my friend across the street. She's got that big old house, just her and her son and the dog named Peanut. And I still remember this. Um, so I went and knocked on the door and she's like, yeah, I'll put y'all up, you know, put y'all here. So that's where I ended up staying for the rest of the summer. <clears throat> but yeah, Pennsylvania. Wonderful HQ. Oh, it was that's a good a- HQ. <laughs> I, I do have uh, another story about that one, but we can we can hold on to that one for just a second. Sure, it's your call, man. This is it's your show. I just <laughs> I just ask you questions. You just you tell us your stories, man. It's your it's your experience. Um, well, I guess real quick, then I'll just throw it in there because <clears throat> I was sure. also so brainwashed. Like I'm talking, drink the Kool Aid. I did not drink during the summer period. Now, if you hit Sizzler, you got to have like a um, a Corona or something. And oh, that's uh, cool. We didn't do that. that was that's, a good, that's a good move. We didn't drink, period. Like, I'm talking Kool Aid. 
and which is crazy because that's all me and Garrett basically ever did back in college. Um, and then one night towards the end of the summer, uh, a few of us after Saturday, yeah, it was after uh, a Saturday getting close to delivery week, we went to a local bar <clears throat> and I had a fake ID and we had a few drinks and we came back home next morning. I couldn't find my student manager anywhere. And I'm like, what the hell? I was like, where's Garrett? <laughs> he was upstairs in bed with the host mom. No. So, yeah. And I was like, well, could have been a good summer. They, they were like, cuddling. For all we know. They were cuddling. Yeah, they were just, he was reading her the books. He was reading her the books. Bedtime stories. Yeah. We can, we'll have Garrett on here to confirm that later on. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's still around. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> HQ story. I can't believe that wasn't a ponytail. But honestly, Book goggles are real, you know. Oh, they, they are, are real, very real, and it's it's vicious. It's <laughs> not good. It's not good. <clears throat> Way worse than any kind of beer goggle that I've ever had. I can tell you. That. Oh my gosh, it is so true. I've had beer yeah. goggles, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Versus, yeah. and then when you have both, it's but again, bad. I didn't really, I didn't drink in the summer. I mean, I it was the Kool Aid all the time, but towards the latter part of my career. <clears throat> yeah, you gotta you, you throw back a couple. And by the way, if you're listening, if you're first year, do not drink. Do, do not go go get your thirty demos and keep listening to some good advanced sales that can yeah. come out of this. But if you're your sixth summer, you're twenty four years old, and it's like you know September after all the first years gonna home. Yeah, crack a couple. It's not a big deal. It's, yeah, no, my first three or four summers. I mean, I could probably count on one hand the times that I actually did drink. Yeah. And I mean, but I did well. I, I just, you know, I never got off schedule. Um, <clears throat> I just did what I was coached to do, and you know. Fair enough. I love it. I love that. That's awesome. My third summer, I was way off schedule. So, <laughs> and I drank. So it's my first summer. I was great. Never, never once was I off schedule. But my third summer, yeah. oh man, had yeah. a, a little <laughs> fun. That's dope, man. That's I love that. So Pennsylvania, we're still we're chilling there. Now, did you have a summer where you had like a strong start, slow finish, slow finish, strong start? Like, how, how did that first summer go for you? Because I mean, I know you ended up being number one, right? But like, how what was that path? Some people just got off to a hard start and just n nobody ever caught them. Some people just came out of nowhere and then ended up being number one. Uh, on, yeah, on I mean. I guess so. Like in my org, and just to clarify, I wasn't number one in the company. It was just number one in our org. But we had a pretty, yeah. we had a strong org. I mean, I was a top. I mean, definitely a top first year. I think top twenty something. I'd have to go back and look, but because two thousand five was Leslie Sonny or was the the number one first mm -hmm. year. Yeah, we've had her on the show. She's awesome. Yeah, I love Leslie. That's why she years. was number one. She kicks ass. Yeah, she's pretty. She's a stud at for sure. Um, but no, I, I don't, I guess that's kind of one thing that I guess you could say kind of a blessing that I've always been given is I didn't really struggle just because I give it a hundred percent from the very beginning. Now I didn't get, not say I didn't get my butt kicked, but like my whole first summer, you know, never had a zero day type of thing. I don't, I didn't have a zero day until probably the latter part of my career. Um, <clears throat> But I mean, I was very Sammy Southwestern for sure. Um, but I just got off to a strong start. And, my, and you know, I, I do owe a lot of it to my student manager because he was number two the year before. And I knew he was going to be pacing to try to beat Jack again, try to beat Jack that year. And so I was like, I'm just going to try. Because he told me, he's like, just if you want to do well, just try to chase me. And I'm like, all right, let me do that. 
So that's what I did. And that's just kind of what he instilled in me is just try to chase because he's, because he's going to produce at a higher level. We, we just knew it was going to happen. So I was like, well, if I can even do a fraction of what he's going to do, I know I'm going to do pretty well. Yeah. And that's what Wade Floyd told me too. He said, just, just chase Garrett the whole summer. I'm like, then that's what I'll do. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, it, it, I mean, so I guess I was very fortunate. It never really was an actual slow start. Um, but the hardest part was being consistent. Um, mm. And that's where I think that's where a lot of character building came from was consistency because there was a whole lot of this up and down stuff, which is at sales, but trying to find, I know Dylan Lackey was like the most consistent person I've ever met, but trying to find that consistency when you're having an emotional inconsistency going on, it's tough. No way. And character building like nobody's business. (laughs) So how did you find, I mean, at what point in your career, maybe we can just start opening up into the rest of your career. At what point in your summers or what summer was it for you where you were finally like, hey, I figured out how to be consistent. Like what changed? Um, I owe a lot of that. It really wasn't so much my first summer because I, I didn't quite figure that out. Um, because again, all I was basing that on was just chasing him. It wasn't like personal development, so to speak. It was just, let me just keep chasing this person but he wasn't going to be there the next year. So I was like, okay, I need to start figuring something out. And it was towards the end of the summer. I started slowly kind of figuring some of that out. But <clears throat> honestly, a lot of that had to do when I was put into a leadership position coming back my second summer. Um, because number one, I had to lead by example. And, you know, number mm. two, well, I guess that's, that is number one and number two, I had to lead by example. Um, one of the things that I was taught from very, very early on was, Hey, if you want your team to sell a lot of books, you have to sell a lot first. And I was like, okay, yeah. let me try that. And I still live by that too, when it comes to what we do now, um, <clears throat> which I'll, I'll kind of talk more about that here in a second as well. But I think I started figuring out more of the, the being emotionally consistent <clears throat> my second summer because there was, I, I was responsible for, or not necessarily totally responsible, but indirectly kind of responsible for their success. Yeah. Like I've got to be able to be even keeled, be a duck on water, lead them the best that I can. And that's where, you know, Nick was my first, he was my first recruit. <laughs> so How did I, that I happen? That. Well, we were in college together, um, fraternity brothers. He was one of my little brothers. And I'd been talking to him about this book thing. He was driving a little Ford Ranger, a golden Ford Ranger, little five-speed truck, single cab pickup. <clears throat> Nick was a pretty jacked dude back then. He walked on the Charleston football team. And so... We had talked about it and talked about it, and he was working at a tire shop back home, and he's like, man, I'm just going to go back and work at the tire shop. And we were at a party. It was the night before I was leaving for sales school. We were at a party, and he said, hey, man, is it too late to do that book thing? And I was like, man, I'm leaving at like 5 a.m. tomorrow. Um, He was like, well, is it too late? And I was like, dude, I'm leaving. Can you get packed to be ready to go in the morning? He's like, yeah, I will. And I'm like, all right. Sure enough, kid you not, he showed up. Five o'clock in the morning, he showed up and I was like, well, here's your sales talk. Just read it while you're driving down the road because obviously that's completely safe, which is, that's what we did. You know that. Um, Everybody's like, still do that. They still do oh, yeah. it today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, you got to have this memorized before we get to Nashville. And he's like, all right, got it. And I, <laughs> I never will forget. We're driving down the road, going to Nashville right outside of um, uh, Arkansas somewhere. 
and I look over and I'm still studying. I'm listening to, to my CDs with like Morg and Zig and all these other people. Um, some old uh, Roger Sox stuff, just some really good stuff. Oh, and I'm reading it. Reading Rose, it, it Rose and Sizzy. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> all the good stuff. And there's some Kevin Johnson, some Lester Crafton, you know, some really good old stuff. Gold. And I look over and there's Nick and his Ford Ranger driving, just doing like this. And he's got a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand. And I'm like reading my sales talk and I look over and he's got a bottle of Jack and he's like, like pretending like he's drinking the bottle. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a long summer. And so I'm like, hey, sales talk, read this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. And he pretends to drink some more whiskey. And I'm like, all right, well. And, you know, we, get, we were in Ohio cool that summer. What's that? Here comes a cool Oh, he card. had that cool call for a while. I'd already lost mine. Um, we sold in Ohio that summer, and the, 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 the host family we ended up staying with, we, I still talk to them to this day. They were an older couple back then. They're very old now. We actually met them at a church. We I went and talked at a church, and then I, I never will forget, I looked in the back of the room, and this old couple, David and Sharon Moss, they looked at each other, and they go, we'll take them. And I'm like, all right, there we are. So we lived on their farm for the rest of the summer. Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, Nick's Nick's very very first house when he was following me, <clears throat> I can still see this house plain plain as day. Never will forget this. Goes to the door, it's it's a wide house, you know, little two story uh, with a nice little step up porch. <clears throat> Beautiful day, kids are outside, toys are everywhere. Mom opens the door, she opens the door, she's positive as she can be, and she's like, "Can I help you?" And Nick just smiles and he just freezes. And I'm like, you know, where's your approach? Where's that? And he looks back at me and he just smiles. And I'm like, say something. Say something. And she's yeah. like, she's like, can I help you? And like, she's like waiting for him to, to, to like invite himself inside. And he was like, he didn't say a single word. And she's like, do you need to come in? Like, he didn't say anything still. And all he's doing is just looking back at me and then looking at her. And she's like, well, I guess I'm going to close the door now. And so she closes the door and I'm like, like she asked us if we need to come inside and he didn't say anything. And I was like, Oh man. I was like, this is going to be a long summer. It's going to be a long summer. Oh man. You gotta, you just gotta love it when a first year just fumbles like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was a total laydown. She was a buyer all day long. Um, but that was you a know, bag, a bag that went missing. That's what. Oh that's yeah, what that was. Yeah. Oh, good time. <clears throat> and, and the funny part is, I've met Nick. We've had him on, so just like putting that together with like putting his face and his personality with that, it just it's funnier if you know if if you've met if you spent some time with Nick, it's extra funny. Man. Oh yeah, that's so good. Well, and it's, you know, even still to this day, and Pedro and I talk about this from time to time, like, I, I don't, he's always been very, very good with, like, number sense and things like that. He can just do them in his head. Um, and I've always been more on, like, the the organization, the, the wording, like, the, the why behind the how-to and the how-to type of thing. It, so our minds just always worked quite a bit differently, but for very good reason, I mean, for very good, good intentions on either side. So it worked well together for, you know, for a long, well, still does. Um, and I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying this. He was never like really, really great at selling, but
but he did very well just because he was professional. I mean, people love to be around him. He's just kind of one of those people. Um, <clears throat> but as far as like being an all-star stud salesperson, I mean, that's not his character, but he did very well just because of his, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain if that makes sense. Yeah. Sense, but, I know what you mean. Um, There's just, just some people that are just like that, where it's just like, you're just so likable that people can't say no to you versus yeah. like the, the sharp, not that he's not sharp, but like the, the, the intense Dave Rose or yeah, like just, this is what we do. I'm in plugged in. You know oh, yeah. that kind of person where just like yeah. you you would be like I'm gonna kick their ass and you would sell like 200 units that day and they had 350 and you're like what yeah. why in the world I know what you mean yeah I get yeah. you I get you hey guys hope you're enjoying the episode so far I know I am I wanted to give a quick shout out to the people that make this show possible the people that bring this show to you uh, these are people who all sold books and we're here to give a quick shout out to them in the spotlight. Uh, about their company and what they're up to. So if you're interested or if after listening to this, you're kind of wanting to know a little bit more, feel free to click on the links below to connect with these people. Uh, these are from an expert, excerpt I have with them from a podcast that I do on the side. It's called Executive Exercises, where we take all our sponsors and they come into a think tank and share some awesome ideas about how to grow their business specifically on different topics. Go check that out. But I pulled some of the comments that they had explaining what they do and who they're looking for on their companies and so if that sounds like you like i said click below hope you enjoy on on a note from a i'm, I'm trying to think like if i was if i was looking into this and, and I, for people who are listening who might be like hey this actually i want to learn more about this what's the barrier to entry like maybe i'm sitting here and i'm like man i would that sounds cool but i don't know shit about insurance like I, why would i wanted to go talk to people yeah the, the barriers to entry i think are really pretty low uh, everybody would probably have a different opinion, but in terms to just be able to get out the door and go sell, you've got to you've got to get a license. I have my life and health license because you needed the health license at Family Heritage, or if you want to sell Medicare products or certain types of health products, right. you have to have the health side. But what it takes to get either one or both of those licenses is roughly the same. You take a study course. You may need to study for fifteen hours. You may need to study as many as thirty hours. But like with Cardinal, we've got a a, a pretty cool course from studying to getting your license can, can be as quick as like seven to 10 days. If you really 15 to 20, if you're moving at a medium pace and beyond that, if it takes you longer than that, you're just not really all that motivated to start. Cause it's yeah. not a difficult process. Yo, let's get off schedule one last time. Go watch a movie or maybe you should figure out how to work at Enlight energy. Alex black is crushing it down there. And a former DSM Julio Hernandez, are both running this company and man, they are cranking 10 people on their team and growing. It's enough that uh, Alex only has to sell like one thing every other week and make over six figures. So if you want to learn more about that and maybe help change the planet, click on the link below. That'll do for now. Like I said, make sure you click below to get some more information. And now back to the show. Um, let me see a little bit. Cause we have, we have about, about 20 25 minutes here left let me see let me see some of these uh pace setters that you had because just yeah, we, know, we, were talking so, about, we were talking about yeah. this the, before we started recording so you had you had <laughs> i've got a couple and in fact i've got uh so uh let's see third so pennsylvania ohio georgia no, no no tennessee no i'm sorry yeah georgia and then tennessee so the tennessee year um quentin's wife jessica we were co-ols and oh, this is 08. Jessica's so we, we won this adversity award um, <clears throat> because the vast majority of our org quit. Um, 
Like, I had a rookie, Zach Taylor, love him to death. He was doing really well. Um, I don't know. I, there was just some, some weird things going on in the org, but everybody was quitting. Um, I actually got one of our student managers. This um, I feel bad about this, but it was a really funny story. Jessica and I went to get ready for a Sunday meeting one night, so we went to Walmart. It was kind of rounded towards the end of the summer, and we had this this Chinese girl that was in our org, and English wasn't great. You know, she's a little bitty old thing, real innocent, super sweet girl. So me and Jessica go to the store, go to Walmart to get some stuff, and we bought. Do you remember back in the day these these drinks called Spark? It was an alcoholic energy drink. I thought it sounds familiar. I think I know what you're talking about. A spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they make them anymore, but we bought one at the Sunday meeting. Excuse me. I gave one. Her name was uh, C. So I gave her one of these sparks, and Jessica was like, yeah, let's give it to her and see if she drinks it. She's like, no, it says alcohol on it. And I was like, no, no. You know, like those candy cigarettes, like it says cigarettes, but it's actually candy. It's the same thing with this. This isn't alcohol. It's just a drink. She's like, oh, okay. And she takes like two or three drinks, and then all of a sudden she's hammered. Her face is beet red. She's passed out in the backseat of Jessica's Camry, and horrible. Me and Jessica felt horrible, but at that time, we didn't care because everybody was quitting. <clears throat> but the cool story about that, um, there was a lot learned that summer, and Quentin was in our org that summer as well. He started, that's where Quentin really, really started kicking ass because for his first couple summers, he didn't, he didn't sell a lot. Um, and he started just crushing it. I actually had a chance to follow him once as well. And he was very professional, very well organized. Um, <clears throat> but those, my, my three years full time, and because when I graduated Tarleton in 2007, they said, you can pick any, any school in this state or wherever you want you, that you can go recruit at full time. Um, and I said, well, where in Texas is there a blank campus? I want nobody else there. And he said, or Mark Rout, he was like, Texas Tech doesn't have anybody. We have some history there, but nobody's there currently. I said, great. I want to start from ground zero. I want a blank canvas and see what I can do. So <clears throat> three years in a row, back to back to back, I had the largest teams in education. Um, they were all over 15 person. That summer in 08 was horrible. Just about everybody quit. But the next summer, which was 2009, that was Pedro's first summer. And we were in Mississippi. I was the OL. Nick was a co-OL, I believe. Um, we were, got off to a pretty good start. Um, I had Micah Degtoff, I had Jesse Saldivar, um, Alyssa, Alyssa Jordan, which she's, and I still keep in contact with a lot of these folks, but the crazy part about that was I ended up dating, um, my number one rookie before the summer was over. <clears throat> That's a whole different conversation, but, oh yeah, it was kind of like, and, and I used, um, uh, John Thomas and Amber as my example because Ral was like I don't like this and I was like look at them they're doing it and they're successful and he was like crap seriously and I was like no seriously they're they, if they can do it we can too but anyways so I've got um let's see here here's here's Pedro when he made the pace setter oh my god there's Pedro and wow. the, the one that was going sharp, sharp Pedro good good looking fella well, the, so Matt Atchison, he was in power and I was education. Oh, I know Matt. So him and I were neck and neck basically the whole summer for the number one spot in the company. So he would make the pace setter. Um, my team would make the pace setter. Oh, my, my team there. Um, there's my, my crew again. There's Alyssa, which was one of mine. And then, of course, the 
another pace setter there. But <clears throat> we ended up having a really good summer, had the number one rookie in the company, the number one team in education, won the, the GRG trip that year. Quentin went on that trip with me because he had a very, very high-producing team as well. Um, <clears throat> I forget how many of the rookies were top first years in the company, um, but it ended up being you know number two company-wide, number one in education. But it was a very good summer. learned a whole lot that summer. That was um, a very humbling summer, but also probably one of the most um, growth providing summers for me, just in, in terms uh, in, in terms of um, leadership. <clears throat> Even though I ended up, you know, getting together with right. one of my rookies before it was over, but you know that was. <laughs> I don't always recommend that. Well, could you could you share some of those principles that allowed you? Because maybe someone listening right now is trying to get a big team that produces well. Because like yeah. we're, you know, you either have a. I feel like uh, as a full timer that I tried. I never got a big team, but I got them to produce okay. I so I, I never mastered either one, so I don't know what to, no advice to give. I mean, I, you know, I did okay training, but how do you get big numbers? How do you get big numbers to produce big numbers? That that went all the way back to if you want your team to to sell a lot, you have to sell a lot first. Um, the two pre, the the summer before that, I wasn't. You know, the summer um, when, when Jessica and I – now, I did have a – I actually had a 328-unit Saturday one time over there um, when we were in Tennessee. <clears throat> it was a very, very, very big Saturday. So I had some pretty good numbers that summer. I think that ended up being a 6,200 – no, 7,200-unit summer or something like that. Um, I mean, it was a good summer, but I didn't learn anything. Cause we just – me and Jess got our ass kicked all summer. Everybody quit. So I thought it was just all about just sell a whole lot and you'll be fine. That is that is a thing. Yes, you do need to sell a lot. But the other part is too, you can't um, – like I was kind of becoming untouchable. Like I was producing at a different level, but I wasn't listening to when they were failing and, and trying to just resonate with what they were going through. So <clears throat> what I learned through that is just a lot about listening to other people. And it sounds so elementary, but it's it's – that's one of the biggest things that I learned. I wasn't listening to anybody. Like they were struggling and telling me what they were struggling with. And I was like, man, that sucks. You should probably go work harder. That was my coaching style because that's how I was trained. <clears throat> my student manager was a horrible coach. Um, it was just, oh, well, that does suck. You should probably work harder. And that's just how I led. Um, but that next summer that came out, you know, the one in Mississippi, I, I decided I, I can't do that anymore because I work way too hard to recruit these people. Um, so like all the great recruiter uh, uh, GRSs that were in, in New Orleans, like I, I won the suite every single year because the work stats were there. So that was one of the things that Rao always told me. He was like, you have to outwork everybody. I was like, well, I'm going to do that then. And then he said, you got to sell a lot of books if you want them to sell a lot of books. But the one part that I was missing was I didn't listen to any of these people. <clears throat> it was just like, hey, I'm Travis. You need to just do what I do and you'll be fine. Horrible way to lead. And that's and I know that's why they quit. I just. I just know it in my mind that that's how, that's why they quit. So the next summer I made it a, I made it a, a point to just be a really, really, really good listener. <clears throat> and sure enough, I feel like I owe a lot of it, a lot of just listening. I don't even think it was anything that I said. It was just listening to them. And that was it. Um, <clears throat> the coaching stuff, honestly, it was stolen goods. It, it's what I learned from Mark Rout. It's what I learned from Wade Floyd. What I learned from Ryan Ross. Um, it was just stuff that they had taught me to, to, you know, if you hear this, you should probably coach on this. If it's emotional, you should coach on this. And 
it was stolen goods. And it's, you know, we always talk about it's not, it's not what you know, it's what you remember to use. And I was just remembering to use a lot of stuff that I was coached on. Um, and it, it, it paid off very well. And of course, the very next summer after that, I was just so mentally checked out. Even though I had a big team, I was just like, this is, I need to get a big boy job. So it was, it was a long summer in Florida that next summer, but. <laughs> Rough. <clears throat> yeah. Rough, bro. Wow, man. This is so good. This is so good. I mean, anybody listening, I mean, that's good application to Nigel Southwestern. I mean, if you're trying to do, I mean, if you're trying to build a big team in any industry that produces well, that, that can you, you say rudimentary listening. It's not rudimentary. Most people don't know how to do that well. Most people just want to hear themselves talk. You yeah. know, and just and just before you like listening is you actually intake what the person freaking says. You take time mm-hmm. to reflect and then you talk. You know what I mean? Like it's like Yeah. <clears throat> well, I wow. think if you're in sales, it, that it's gonna it's gonna serve you well on both both sides of it. I mean, because that's where a lot of good salespeople do is they're just really, really good not listeners, they're good active listeners. Um, and a lot of times people will tell you the questions that you need to ask if you're actively listening to them. And so many times it's, there's been, there's not even been anything that I've said. It's just doing something that not me, not many people want to do because it's not in our human nature to be good listeners. It's let me hear myself talk. Um, and that goes back to what I said from the very beginning. I just wanted to put myself secondary to everything and just listen to what they're saying. And then that, I mean, it's, it served well from the, the, I guess the leadership and management standpoint, but as well as the sales side. And I think those two things go hand in hand. You know what? You just made me think of something. So here, here's what's going to, we're going to do some rapid fire questions really quick. And then we'll go into some ponytails because we're running, we're, we're pushing the time here, but here's the deal. Okay. But here's the deal. You just gave me an idea and I need to have you back on this show for this. Cause I, every once in a while we try to have like special edition episodes where it's like couples that met on the book field. Right. And ha- mm-hmm. like we had uh, Quentin and Jessica on here. Right. Uh, we'll have like siblings maybe we're trying to get like siblings that like all sold together or like at Mm -hmm. some point um parents and kids because that's been a long enough time where it's like their parents sold and then the kids sold like we had a you know pat roach and his daughter have both sold uh todd Todd mcwarder and his daughter sold right um and then we want to have host families that were host families after they sold so they sold and then there were host families that are in like but you just made me think of something i want to have you and atchison on at the same time and talk about like your because one of the things that probably hasn't been mentioned that is probably a driving force is there was there's probably an element too of like there's no way i'm gonna let that guy kick my ass or that person mm-hmm. kick my ass and that drives you as well to be, be better and to learn also like you know you talk about your Zo- rose and zizzy right they were trying to break the record together you talk yeah. about brown uh uh, uh Dustin Hillis, right? They had that summer. They were both trying to break the summer together. Um, mm-hmm. But then there was like Pedro. When Pedro was kicking ass, there was also this is after you left, but Pedro and John Stewart were trying to outdo each other in recruiting. Yeah. Um, and having those two sides of it, and just hearing it from your perspectives and how the competition led you and your different philosophies, because I'm sure you guys probably went about things differently, and both probably have some really cool things. So I want to invite you. Would you be open to that? Since having a oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, me, him, Quentin, um, you know, our severe from Estonia, um, <clears throat> we were all on that great recruiters getaway in Panama with, with, um, um, with Dan 
<clears throat> that was a really cool time. That was like one of the greatest trips I've ever been on. And yeah, I'm not talking about Panama City Beach, Florida. I'm talking about Panama. Panama. Uh, yeah, I, got, I get it. Great and awesome. Dude, um, yeah. So I have to get you back on with that just to like do like a special edition like recruiting a recruiting 101, 201, 301 and masterclass, right? About like and it doesn't have to be specific about recruiting, but it could just be more like about the idea of how to lead, how to manage, how to grow, how to how to connect with people to help them become the best versions of themselves because that's something that you both did, right? I mean, for yeah. you to produce a team that had so many people in it and that each person did so well, that that's you know, Pedro is really good at that too, right? That, that's that's a skill that it's it's a skill that's built on multiple skills working at the same time, right? It's like juggling while being on a unicycle while like you know, on a, on a tightrope, right? There's several skills that go into that and just throwing them all into one and then getting them to work together is, um, is it, it probably just probably deserves an episode on its own, right? That to do that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have you back on that. Is that cool? That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, that would be, excuse me. That'd be awesome. I'm well, going to get, I'll get, I'll get, I'll call at you and be like, let's do this. Sorry, but what were you saying? No, you're good. Just, I remember, man, it was it was such a cool trip because I think Nebraska was in some sort of championship at that point. And I was like, man, am I going to be on this trip and, and be rooting for the dang Cornhuskers while I'm, <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. Hey, you know what? It's been a, That's probably the last time we were competing for any sort of trophy. <laughs> yeah. As a, a Husker, as a Husker, like that was probably the last time we were doing anything that was worthy of any sort of championship. <laughs> That would have been, been I guess, 2009. I've actually got a, a book somewhere with a ton of pictures. Um, but no, it reminded me real quick, funny story. Um, yeah. Yanar Severe, because um, when recruiting was going really, really well, they had me speaking at Southwestern a lot, which was really cool. It was a really, really cool thing. Um, the Estonians wanted me to come speak for them about some stuff. <clears throat> and I was talk talking to Yanar and a couple other people, trying to learn a couple of words, you know, so I could be cool. And we were joking around and said something about, um, I want to learn how to say hello, but I also want to learn like a bad word. Like, how do you say dick or something like that? And so when I got in front of them to say hello, I accidentally said the other one. <laughs> and I basically just said dick in front of all the Estonians and all the DSMs and everybody was looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And I'm just looking at and he was like, this I think it was Yanar. He was just looking at me like, Oh my gosh. But, <laughs> well, know. I guess we could say you're kind of bilingual then. We'll just Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh man. That was, that All right, really let's jump good. into uh Oh man, let's jump into some well, actually, yeah, let's do, let's do some quick rapid fire questions, the ponytail and we'll wrap her up. How's that sound? Yeah, and, and there's one <clears throat> one small story that um or I guess it's it's a for for me, it's a pretty substantial story from very, very, very first day in the book field ever to when COVID hit a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, I can run through that now or. Let's just do it. Just well, it. It, let's get into it, that. And that sounds way more interesting. Well, it's, and it's not even like there's nothing entertaining per se, but it's just it, it just kind of is a is a. Um, I guess a solid foundational thing that I learned from that very first summer that a lot of people are like, well, you know, what, what are we learning foundational principle? What, what are we learning now that we're going to use someday type of thing? Um, <clears throat> so very first day of, some, of the summer up in Pennsylvania, 
Um, and I took my, my truck that I drove up there. I don't even know how the truck made it, but I, I made it. So very first day, there's this neighborhood that, well, that's everybody's vehicles in the summer, right? Um, <clears throat> I, I parked my truck at this post office, and this is in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. And I started walking down the street, um, knocking on doors. It was early in the morning, like 7.15, 7.30, something like that. It's kind of chilly outside. And for years, I've had this thing to where I'll all of a sudden break out in hives for no reason. And so <clears throat> one of the things that, that Brian Ross told us at the very beginning of the summer, if at the end of the summer you can show us your cell phone bill and show that you did not use your phone between the hours of 7.59 a.m. to 9.30 p.m., we'll give you an extra $100 at the end of the summer. And so I was like, 100 bucks to just not use my phone? I am in um, in fact, I had a couple of emergencies and I used a pay phone just because I didn't want to use, I didn't want to use my cell phone. I'm talking, I was sold so much so that the very first day I started breaking out in hives and I didn't have a EpiPen. I didn't have an inhaler. I didn't have anything. So I ran back to the post office and the, the lady in there, I was like, ma'am, I was like, can you call 911? I was like, I'm breaking out in hives. She was like, well, do you not have a phone? And I was like, I can't use my cell phone. And she was like, but you're breaking out in hives and I can't let you use this phone. And I was like, well, I don't care. I'm not using my phone because I want a hundred bucks. And I was actually trying to explain her this while my throat was closing up and my eyes were bugging out. So finally, when I passed out, she calls the ambulance. They take me to the hospital. I wake up, they give me an EpiPen and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I was like, I can't afford this. I don't have insurance. I don't have this. And I remember thinking this is a really, really good opportunity to quit. Like, this is perfect. Everybody will understand. I can go home and say I didn't, I couldn't afford it and, every, and everything just is going to suck. And I was like, this is my perfect chance to quit because this already sucks. <laughs> so the lady, this the, the nurse lady came back over to me. And she said, hey, what did you say you were in town for? And I said, I'm from Texas. I'm selling these kids books and blah, blah, blah. She's like, the educational kids books, right? I was like, yes, ma'am. She said, okay, I thought so. <clears throat> she said, I'll tell you what. She said, um, we, we got you a cab on the way over here. <clears throat> a, a group of us pitched together in some money, and we got you an EpiPen. She said, I want, I want you to take this with you. Cab's going to take you back to your truck where you just were, and you just go have a great summer. And I was like, huh? She was like, I love the books. She's like, if you find me, I'm buying. And she, didn't, I didn't ask, where do you live? Because I wasn't thinking about that at that point. Sure. Um, so she said, you just go have a great summer. And I was like, crap. Now I can't quit. I was like, because she told me to go have a great summer. Yes, basically. No, not basically. She did. Um, So I went back to my territory and I was in tears crying. I was like, I really need to quit because this sucks already. And I went to this lady's house and she kind of like Nick's first day. She opens the door, invites me in, um, bought everything, showed me how to use the credit card because we had the old credit card reader where you had to scrub the thing over it and imprint it. She showed me how to use the credit card machine. It was 35 units, all the kids' books and everything else. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, I ended up staying, had a good summer. Fast forward all these years later, it's a couple of years ago. Um, I lost everything with the business partner because he stole all the money. Um, Nick, and I don't, I don't mind sharing this, he actually loaned me money to get some leads, to get me up to do a push week. Like he was helping me get out of this hole that I was in. And so it was February of 2020, <clears throat> and we were seeing some really, really big numbers with our group. And I was like, this is the year because I'm still I'm young, I'm single, I don't have anything to do, might as well just go to work. And I was like, this is the year I want to break the company record 
and I want to see what we can do with this thing that we're putting together. So <clears throat> that's February. And I said, all right, July of 2020 is going to be the year, the, the month of this year that the company records set and we'll go from there. Um, March rolls around in 2020 and you know what happens. Everything goes Whoa. to hell. And yeah, <clears throat> they unleash something on us. So a lot of people, because I'd already, I'd already said that this is what I was going to do, and a lot of people were like, "Well, what are you going to do?" I mean, you know, this is a great opportunity to to kind of back away from what you said you're going to do. And I was like, you know, this is exactly this. It reminds me so much about my very, very, very first summer, yeah. my first day in sales. And I was like, "Well, I guess I'm just going to do what I said I was going to do." I, I don't, <clears throat> you know, it, it served me pretty well so far. So I'm just going to see what happens. <clears throat> and sure enough, July rolls around. Um, you know, it was the first time we had seen uh, above, th it was a 13, had a $13,000 day somewhere in there. First time we'd seen over a $20,000 a week. It was like 23, 24,000 ended up being a $64,000 month. And the, pr the previous record was like 52,000. <clears> so I say that because that the one little bitty thing from that very first summer when the lady was just like, I was like, I just need to go ahead and quit <laughs> because this is a great opportunity. And she was like, you can't go have a great summer or have a great summer. We, we took care of your bills for you. I just remember that. And I remembered I would not be in this fortunate position that I am today if it weren't for that back then. <clears throat> so let me just try it again and see what happens. And that, that's enough. That, that's what ended up happening that particular month. But what's really cool about that. I don't say that to say anything in a braggadocious way. But what happened after that was the coolest thing ever. Franco Cruz <clears throat> saw what I did, and he was like, I'm going to break the record now. Two months later, broke it, 70-something thousand. And then just from that point forward, it was just, it's been so cool to just see this snowball of people just saying, there's more here. Let's find it. Like, let's keep finding. Let's keep climbing. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So <clears throat> when we talk about, like, in business and in longevity, you know, how do you not burn yourself out, but how do you, how do you continue to learn more? Well, <clears throat> even though you've, you've reached this certain level, that seems like it, it could be a pinnacle to something, but you see other people that are making your initial record just look like rookie numbers. I mean, I would be extremely, um, what I guess, insensible to, to not want to learn from those people as well. People that haven't done this for even a fraction as long as I have, but it's so cool to see all those people that, that have come to work with us that are, that are hitting those numbers on a daily and weekly basis. It's not just happening once every here and there. It's every single week. <clears throat> and it's so cool to see that because um, it's it just, I, I feel like a lot of those people that are reaching those levels, they, they're, they're trying to rediscover something in, the, in themselves that they didn't even know existed. And it's extremely motivating to see that because you see people who have never sold anything a day in their life that are making a hundred grand in six months. And it, it's just really cool to see those kind of things. And I'm, I'm just thankful for the people that I work with because, <clears throat> you know, we get to, we get to see those ponytails quite often. It's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. <dude. laughs> what your life would have been if that lady didn't say anything. Yeah. And can you imagine like someone didn't sell, because this is a real meta meta. Some book kid could have quit that summer. Instead, he went and knocked on that lady's door, or she, right, went and knocked on that lady's door. And then that book yeah. person sold those books to that lady, who then loved them, who then bumped into you, and then changed your life. Yeah, I think about that still to this day. Still, to and this all day. it takes is just, and it was just a knock on the door. 
So for anybody listening who's like, oh, I should probably go knock on the damn door. Because <laughs> exactly you don't right. know. She might, like, you never know whose life down, 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 down the line mm-hmm. it can change. But just having the courage to do what you said you were going to do. And I think that's been the, uh, this is, um, we're going to, we're going to close it here, but this is the theme of this episode is, is, is a lesson on having the courage to do the things that you said you were going to do mm-hmm. that were scary to you. Cause that right there, my friend, I mean, everything in your life changed where you are now. I mean, the, you, you, wow, that's man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not a funny, juicy story, but we can share some of those no. maybe on a Bizzler trip or something, but um, no, it's because <laughs> I've got plenty of those. I've got plenty of those. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this one up. We're going to do this. We're going to do, we're going to have Matt Atchison with you on here to t- do like that, Rick, that, that like leadership one. And then I kind of want to have you, Nick, Quentin and Pedro all from Cardinal since y'all are working together and just like shooting the shit talking about old times. I feel like that'll be really fun too. I can tell you the story about the time that me and Nick went and tried to buy drugs and wrote a check. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pause right there. All right, guys, this has been episode 199. I hope you guys enjoyed. I had a blast. I've learned. I mean, take some notes. Hopefully go back, listen to this again. This was, I mean, there's, it's laced with gold nuggets on this one. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Travis, thank you for being here, man. I'm glad we got to do this today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I really do. I hope, hope you had a fun, man. Uh, my name is Andres Gamboa, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Episode 200 coming up next. Please stay tuned for that one. Sign up for Bizzler down in the link below. See you, everyone. <laughs>